Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Government is the problem. This will not stand. This will not stand, this aggression against uh, Kuwait. Indeed, I did have a relationship with Ms. Lewinsky that was not appropriate. America is a strong force for peace. I know the human being and fish can coexist peacefully. And my vice president has shot someone. Do you smell what Barack is cooking? You didn't build that. Give you all a big kiss, the women and the men. I'll I'll even kiss the men. I'll kiss those big, powerful men. Sit down, you'll hear what I have to say. You're listening to the Oil & Gas Geopolitics Podcast, the show for those who want a spirited, irreverent, humorous, and occasionally informative discussion on the latest geopolitical issues that are impacting the energy sector today. Here is your host, Jordan Driscoll. Welcome to the program, my huddled masses. I'm the aforementioned Jordan Driscoll, your industry malcontent and ATM of reckless opinion. All right, today we are joined in the studio, the ethereal studio, the over the uh, internet's studio, by Delfina Gova. I, no, dude, Govia. The iPhone. Govia, Jesus. Yeah, there, there we geez, go. Jeez, man. I'll do an apology episode. It's fine. I'll do a I want a episode. full 30 minutes of apologies just to me. I'll, I'll, I will, okay. I'll do an apology like I did when I mispronounced uh, Vice President Harris's name. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll get it right in there with that oh, one. Uh, <laughs> so we were, we were uh, recording an episode for her show. Um, which was much more thought out and, and pre-planned, and we had talked about it over the phone. And then we got to the end of it, and I was like, you know what? We're already here. Let's just record an episode of mine, and let's just see what happens. It's just cool. What are we going to talk about? I was like, I don't know. Whatever. Whatever we come up with. Yeah, we just make all. it up as we let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> I don't do any planning for my show. I don't know what the hell's going on. I don't even have guests. <laughs> oh, I'm so honored. 30 minute... I know. I know. I'm a guest. It's... I know a guest. I know it's like oh, you've had Marco. Yeah, but it's just, he happened to be around. <laughs> he was just there. He's just there. You know? All right, man. Here's a microphone. Yeah, this this is this is the real deal. That's kind of a so. Anyways, that's there dangerous. we go. It's dangerous, right? With us with us podcasters, you stick a microphone in front of us, and oh my God, watch out! Step aside. Yeah, yeah. We won't shut the hell up. And uh, now I get to speak very because I was cleaning it up a little bit for your show because I don't know what sort of... Uh, I'm convinced you airing anything of mine is going to get you in trouble. Nah. We'll see. Nah. We'll see. I hope not, but I, I feel like it will. Um, but on this show, I could say anything I want, you know, all the good stuff, all the George Carlin words I can say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so there's no uh, no problem there. Uh, all right, so we got we got this going on here. We got the show. For tradition's sake, we have to have the inaugural oh, set. I'm ready. I got myself my nice medium roast here. I, I have my coffee cup, and does, can you see what's on the coffee cup? You pro- uh, it looks like a red Pegasus. It is. And what does that red red Pegasus mean, Jordan Driscoll? Uh, I have you question. stumped. It was our mascot and logo at Mobile Oil. The, oh. the, yeah, the Pegasus. All right, well, cheers. Mm. That's pretty good. Oh, tradition. Tradition. So, um... We should have done scotch. Gigasu- we should have done coffee. We, you and I should have done... I've got a, a, li- a full bar over here. I, I, like, yeah, I, that I could be do. very easily arranged. All right, well, Yeah. Oh, next Because I drink in the staff meeting all the time, because yeah. I have no regard for the rules of God or man. Um, okay, ne- ne- next episode, we're going to... We're, we're breaking out the scotch. 
Well, so I, I, you and I have talked about this separately, and I've mentioned this sort of in passing on the show here before, that I want to do an end-of-year episode where you and me and a select few others get together, and we just throw back a couple of drinks and then do like a quiz show for the end of the year for geopolitics. Absolutely. But we make it real funny. And uh, Mark's in, Paige is in, you're in. I want to get Joe, because Joe's super uh, straight-laced, always wearing that fucking bow tie. Oh, my God. Um. Him and that. Here's the thing. Listen, I'm going to say this. I've been wearing a bow tie for a decade before that fucker. Okay. <laughs> and now everyone knows him as the bow tie guy. And I just want to say I've been wearing a bow tie longer before he made it cool. Before he was born, and probably. He gets all the crit. Well, <laughs> he's just not, a kid. Uh, I'm, he's just a punk kid. <laughs> uh, but he always wears that bow tie. I know. And I don't think Joe listens to my show, so I'll never get. He'll never. Uh, my show's not intellectual enough for him. And, um, but Joe's a wicked smart guy. He like really is. He but really here's is. the thing about Joe, Joe. He's super smart, super straight-laced, super buttoned, Mr. PhD man. You put a couple of cocktails in that guy, and he's a fucking stitch. Oh, he is. He really is. That guy is so funny, but you've <laughs> got to get him a little sauced up. <laughs> and I want to get him down for that and just, like, pre-game him a little bit before we start recording we, we, so yeah. that he's a bit off the rails. Yeah. It'll be an awesome episode. Awesome episode. Oh, it'd be so good. He would He would probably want to, like, fight us over, like, releasing that. Because <laughs> I know Joe does not put out the, like, you got to get him, like, you know, after hours, one in the morning, you know, half a bottle of scotch, and all of a sudden, man, old fun Joe comes yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. So we, we, oh, we really need our right. audiences to be able to... To experience that as well. Oh, man, it'd be so good. <laughs> He's such a nut job. I love Joe. Joe's good people. He really is. Um, but, yeah, if you have a, if you want to listen to a smart show, you should check his show out. Or or Delphina's show, because she's also wildly smart. I'm I'm the dumb, dumb, nah, I'm the class nah, clown. Nah. I'm the class clown. I don't, I don't take this very seriously. Yeah, come on, it, come on. It's yeah. Good stuff, good stuff. So... Yeah, we, you know, we'll get there. Um, all right, so we're here. We're going to just record this conversation about whatever the hell it is we feel like talking about. Um, let's see here. What we got? So for, I'm going to ask you this. I already know the answer because I know you. Who is your favorite U.S. president? Oh, my gosh. That's so freaking easy. Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan. Tell me why you love Reagan. For a number of things. I remember... I think the, the the power of Ronald Reagan, the the positive shock of Ronald mm-hmm. Reagan when from the moment he took office was made more powerful because we had just come off of the disastrous Carter administration. Yeah. And you yeah. and I talked about uh, him a little bit on on my show that we we just recorded a tremendous respect for the man absolute tremendous mm. respect for the man and Rosalind may she rest in peace um as as yeah. a first lady tremendous respect for them but just not <laughs> n- not the best president this country has seen and i also we could i don't really want to get into this but i i think that he didn't have the right advisors around him uh, yeah, to, to, to guide him in the right direction because he's an incredibly intelligent man. And I think that he attempted to govern from a, a position of kindness 
and that mm-hmm. that southern georgia charm and it just he he didn't have what you would like to say the cojones uh to to be the president um it, it yeah. just didn't Carter's, yeah he he's in an interesting case of being somebody who um I think of as a really good guy. Yeah. As a human being, he's just a super good guy, yeah. I think. Um, but boy, a shit president. Yeah, he really was. And um But I, I blame I, the, uh, I, I blame the people around him too. You know? Well we I mean every president, that's always the case, right? I mean I I've said this before, I don't think I've said on this any of these shows. Maybe I have, I don't know. I say a lot of things. Um I think our presidential debate system is stupid in this country. <laughs> there is no circumstance that a president has to make a major policy decision in two minutes. Yeah. That does that never happens. That's not a thing that happens. There's nothing about the president where you have to make like that kind of a decision on that kind of a timetable. What I think the presidential debates ought to be is every president gets to bring, like, three advisors with them. And they have to name who they are, and it shows the quality of the people they get to bring to, the, to their cabinet. Um, and it shows you kind of the people they'll surround themselves with. And then they will get the questions at the start of the debate, and then they get to go huddle with their advisors for, like, five to ten minutes to craft, like, a, a more detailed policy, and then present that. That's what the debates ought to be, because that's more realistic and a microcosm of what the president's job is. The president's job is like a CEO's job. The CEO of a company doesn't really do shit, right? The CEO is not out there welding a pipe or drilling a hole. The CEO's job is to go find talent at the next level down and keep that talent productive. That's kind of the president's job. And so it's all about what's the talent you're going to surround yourself with. Are you getting a bunch of jackasses or are you getting like the creme de la creme? Okay, so I'm going to do this to you. This is your show, but I'm going to take over for two seconds. I'm going to come, I'm going to come back and finish, and finish answering uh, why I think Ronald Reagan was... We was, are it, nine minutes and 30 seconds in. in and I've already lost control of the program. <laughs> um, I've been doing this longer than you, dude. So here's, mm-hmm. here's the premise. Here is okay. the fantasy that we are going to indulge ourselves with right now. We are yes. going to go into the uh, into a fantasy world, and we are going to okay. have that debate. And we're going to okay. have you get to put up a team, and I get to put up a team. Pick okay. your president and two advisors, anybody from the past or currently that would play the role of the president and two of and two advisors that would go to okay. that team debate. Okay. I've got mine. Okay. I've got mine. That for, oh, already. You're, you're locked and loaded. All right. All right. Now I'm going to give you a minute. Uh, let's see here. Because I don't want to influence yeah, your, your... Okay. President, who would I take? Um, I mean, I know the... I feel like I'm stealing your answer. No, go right ahead. Go right ahead. Yeah? Okay, advisors. Who would I go for? Um... Okay, maybe that one. And I think for a second. Oh man, I wish I had. Uh, I, oh man. Okay, I don't know my presidential advisors as well as I should. But it, well. Oh, I'm. I just blanked on. 
Yeah. Uh, hold on, hold on. Uh-oh, we have to do some Google Foo I here. have to do some Google Foo here because I just messed up. <laughs> You've lost control I've of the show, I've lost Madam. control. Oh, my God. I just, <laughs> this is what happens when you're as old as I am, is you, you get a thought, you have it in your head, and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. it just disappears. But you can go ahead with yours. So while yours she's and figuring I'll... that out, while she's figuring that out, and I'm stalling for time, go I'm going to. So Delfina, family is Venezuelan, which was dad, news yes. to me until mm-hmm. like, yes, yes. Uh, and like modern day Venezuela, as we all know, uh, we had a good solid government, me down here, right? And then Delfina rolls in, does a little revolution takes me out of power, assumes control of the program, and now it's already falling apart two minutes into her dictatorship, okay? <laughs> Just like a traditional Venezuelan operation. She came in, now she's monkey with the yeah, program, yeah, and now yeah. it's falling apart. <laughs> okay, so for president, um, I would pick probably... Um, I would go with... Uh, I would go with Ronald Reagan... Okay, you definitely uh, because he's got the folksy the folksy charm thing going on. It just you know, just want to get a little guy a hug, because um, I like Reagan a lot too. I mean, it's funny people have actually said to me where they're like, you have said before you like Reagan, you've busted him a lot on your show. Yeah, if I like something, I'm going to bust him a lot. Okay? Oh yeah, I'm very critical of everything, even the stuff I love. Um, it's just you got to be straight up with it, right? Uh, but I do like Reagan. He's a good guy. Probably my favorite president since I've been alive. Um, advisors, I'm going to go a little off the rails with this. So I'm going to say, um, I'm going to say Henry Kissinger. Oh, damn it. You stole one of mine. Okay. You're not going to get, you're not, we'll see if you get my, my, my other advisor. Okay. Okay. May he rest in peace. uh, Next. God. Yes. God rest him. The crazy little. Monster. Uh, and then the other one I would do is Barack Obama as another advisor. Mm. Interesting. Because uh, Kissinger was incredibly real politic, right? That was his whole thing. He was very calculated, very methodical, and, and in many ways very cold in the way that he analyzed things, the decisions he made. Okay. Uh, right, wrong, or indifferent. Okay. And I think you need that level of, like, pragmatism um, in your political thought. But at the same time, Barack Obama, love him or hate him, was also very charismatic in a way that Henry Kissinger is just wicked not. Um, but also Obama, very smart. And Obama, again, right, wrong, or a different agree with him or disagree with him, had a, a more human element to him. And I think you could put the three of those together and create quite like the political thought machine, you know, like deep blue mm-hmm. that would be very interesting and that you could kind of cover a lot of your different angles and also just appeal to a lot of, of different spectrums of thought. Because, again, I, you know, if I were running for office— um, I would absolutely has my running mate try and get somebody from the other party to be on my running ticket. That is that is clever. Well, be, right. I mean, there was a time in this country where the vice president, by default, was whoever was was the runner up. Right. Whoever lost was the, uh, yeah. 
And I think there's something really crafty about that because it kind of forces you to work with the other side and figure shit out. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so those are those are my three off the fly that I had to come up with very, very rushed fashion. What do you got? Okay. So obviously Ronald Reagan. Sure. And definitely Henry Kissinger would have been my second. But my, my second advisor, yeah. Newt Gingrich. Oh, okay. I see what you did there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now I would, Newt I would. Gingrich. I've, I've always been a student and a fan of mm-hmm. of Mr. Speaker uh, Gingrich because he is just so brilliant in his analysis of. Whatever, whatever it is that's that's going on, and mm-hmm. while he is, you know, staunchly Republican, I also believe sure. that he anal- his his analysis, he he attempts his analyses without mm-hmm. being biased to begin with. His bias emerges after the analysis yeah. is is completed, and I've always just loved reading things that that he's put out. Interesting. Yeah, all right. I can see yeah. that. And I see and that. I will argue this one. I liked your I liked your answer about Barack Obama and for those reasons. But I would argue that Ronald Reagan himself had those qualities. I don't disagree. Um I think you get <coughs> um excuse me. I think you get the reason I wanted that element to it was to get someone a bit younger. Like, even if you take Reagan during his years as president mm-hmm. and, and Barack during his years, um, decades difference. And I kind of felt like if we were to, like, make this pretend fantasy land happen, I kind of wanted somebody who was a little bit younger to bring, like, that that sort of fresher blood set of ideas in just to counterbalance the more traditional thinking of Ronald Reagan. <laughs> Why does Dan Quayle come to mind? <laughs> Sorry. Admittedly, Sorry. probably the first time a human being has ever said that in the history of politics. Dan Quayle just popped into my head. I'm just no one's ever said that. I'm just George H. W. Bush never said that. No, I Oh, Dan Quayle. Let me explain myself. I'm remembering that infamous debate where um what's he was running against uh oh God. Oh, I can see the gentleman, the older gentleman, and he said uh, Quayle was in a debate and Quayle turned around and he said, well, Kennedy was my age when, and he's like, you, sir, are no, no Kennedy. Kennedy. <laughs> yes. You remember that? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I'll never, I remember it as I was today. Like I was just, if I were sitting in front of the TV. <laughs> what a good, th- th- that was a wonderful punchback from Quayle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And boy, did it get smacked out hard. Ooh, I mean, like, I mean, bam. that was such a good answer. That was such a good canned answer from Quail. <laughs> but that guy just had one checkmate further ahead he than did. him. It's like, oh, yeah, I've, I've, dude, dude, yeah, dude. Yeah. So, anyway. What's funny about Kennedy is Kennedy is so much more like he's heralded these days as like the sort of paragon of, of the Democratic Party, mm-hmm. much the way that Reagan's herald is the, you know, the the Republican sort of paragon, although ironically neither party really is even close to those ideals anymore. Yeah. Um, 
But 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 with Kennedy, he was such a hawk. Like that guy never met a communist intervention that he was not prepared to go shoot some shit over. And you know, Democrats today would be aghast if they had a president. They're like, "We're gonna blockade Cuba. It might lead to a nuclear war, but <laughs> fuck it, we're gonna do this. We're getting into Vietnam. Might lead to war with China, but fuck we're it, doing- we're gonna do this." <laughs> You just couldn't have that now, no, you know? No. And, um, you know, Reagan gave us our first blanket illegal immigrant amnesty in this country, mm. which would get you shot, shot if you were a Republican that actually suggested doing exactly. that. And people are like, oh, Reagan was so great with Republicans. Like, you do realize he did the first ever amnesty, like, bl- yeah. like his, of his own volition. Mm-hmm. That's a thing he wanted to do. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, so, yeah, that's nuts. Uh <laughs> So, so let me hit you with a little bit of, uh, of trivia. Go for it. Rose Kennedy was my grandparents' upstairs neighbor. No, really? <laughs> In New York, yeah. You've got weight. You're like all over the place here. Like Venezuela, Rose Kennedy. My grandfather was um, a group president at Exxon. Before he retired. Okay. That oil's deep in those veins. It really is. It really is. It really is. But anyway, so, so, so back to, to, to Reagan, I think that, um, you know, you, you originally asked me the question who I think my favorite president was. You just, you just uh, added another, another reason why, right? Is he had Uh that um, uh, foresight to, to Uh do things as as a Republican president that you you would not see today, but I think that coming off of such a uh, difficult four years with Carter, uh, he mm-hmm. was such a breath of fresh air in his uh, statesmanship, in yeah. his uh, hard stance uh, mm-hmm. against the against Iran. And if you mm. remember, I'll never, I'll never forget this. It when the host, do you remember when the host? You weren't even born, dude. <laughs> I remember uh, like it was. You weren't in a even book born. I read yesterday. You know, it's, it's. I just remember like Reagan became president. Boom, the hostages were released. It's like they yep. got them back. So it's his his policies, his statesmanship, uh, were his ability to deliver a speech. Like nobody's mm-hmm. business, you know, being the actor that he was, uh, that right. served him well. So, yeah. And I think that, in him, of course, the, his ability to bring down the Soviet Union was, of course, mm-hmm. his lasting legacy for, for this world. So, yeah, that's my answer. That's fair. I, I think I would probably go with um, Teddy Roosevelt because he was such a crazy bastard. He was a crazy bastard. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I, I love I love me some, like that guy had like a zoo on the White House front lawn. <laughs> he shot a lot of animals, which I'm not necessarily like a big hunter myself, but just the amount of hunting that guy did <laughs> was like a black belt in judo. He always carried a pistol on him. Uh Got shot while giving a speech and then proceeded to just continue giving the speech like a stone-cold pimp. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, they don't make him like that. Built, the, you know, effectively decided, we need a blue water navy. Dog. So we're going to have one. Yeah. Fuck it. We're going to do it. Do it live. <laughs> and um, I just loved sort of just how bombastic and over the top and how much stuff he got done. Mm-hmm. Like for being such a, a crazy just exaggerated caricature of a figure. Um, I, I do get a kick out of that. 
Um, but it, in my lifetime, of the time I've been alive, it'd be Reagan, just because, man, Reagan really seemed to reach across the aisle and just kind of get everybody on board yeah. and bought in and moving forward and, and all the things. And don't be wrong, I've busted Reagan a bunch on my show. I don't like the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he fucks some shit up. He, his handling of Iran-Contra leaves a lot to be desired mm-hmm. and all those kinds of things. But, you know, at the end of the day, boy, we could have done a lot worse. Uh, <laughs> arguably, we have. We, yes, we have. So, yes, we have. So, <laughs> so, yeah, no, that's good. And I all remember, right. I have so to, I do want to add this. I remember yeah. um, my friends at the time were at, were com- completely liberal Democrats and Mm -hmm. they were beside themselves right before the election, threatening, threatening that I can't stay living in this country if Ronald Reagan gets elected. And if Ronald Reagan gets elected, we are going to destroy the world with, you know, a nuclear disaster. And it was, I just remember it was really over the top. They were dramatically oh, just, opposed to the man. <laughs> yeah, people, it's like you, we were closer to a nuclear war when Kennedy was in office. <laughs> I know, and they just, yeah. That man was like getting into fucking fight. And don't get me wrong, like I get it. Like, you know, yeah. it was the, the day and time, but Kennedy was up in some... D- oh, yeah. d- we're going to stop the red wave. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, he was as deep into trying to stop the communists as he was Marilyn Monroe. I mean, he was just all <laughs> over that. And, uh, you know, I mean, hey, the president's a busy guy. I get it. You know, you have a shot at Marilyn Monroe. You take you it. You take it. Okay? You take it. Um, anyway. We all know this. So. so okay, sorry. Yeah, Did, interesting. I, I, I stole the mic again. Sorry about that. No, you didn't. You, you've, <laughs> I've, yielded, I've yielded control of the show. I've lost the, to the revolution. So. <laughs> now, do you get back to Venezuela very often? No, the last time I was home was in 2003. Okay, so that was... A really long... Chavez was yep. just yep, he was, getting in charge? Yeah, he was elected in 98, and in 2003, uh, the protests were going on every night in the Plaza Altamira, which was right there in the capital, and I was called home uh, the... PDVSA, the Venezuelan oil company, was having a conference, and they invited me to come down as the keynote speaker. And, uh, yeah, so I was, because of the unre- the political unrest that was going on at the time right there in Caracas, uh, my, my dad was freaking out. He's like, don't you dare, you know, you can't come. And I was like, yeah, dude, they, they're calling me to go speak at this thing. I'm going to go. And it was really kind of frightening because... They met me. This was before 9-11, obviously, when, you know, so they had a a threesome of armed guards meet me at the plane because there was no jetway. You had to come down the stairs, mm-hmm. right? They had a, a threesome of armed guards meet me at the plane, escorted me to my hotel, and then stayed outside, only one, stayed outside my hotel mm-hmm. room that night and then escorted me to the JW Marriott in Caracas. And then they posted guards at the entrance and exits of the conference center. And then of course, escorted me the rest of the way. And I thought to myself, dear Lord, if this is how famous people live, I don't ever want to be famous. Right. Just, it was very, it was, was, so yeah. too much. And I I have, I have not been home since my father is still there, but yeah. How's he doing? He's He's good. He's good. He's a pain in the ass. Well, you you hear things about things of it as well. He's good. He's good. A billion percent inflation, like you know, yeah. 
you worry about people. Yeah. I uh, I was I was having a drink with a buddy of mine recently, and we were, they were like, you know, I I think I really you know I'm a socialist and all that. That's what they were saying, and I was like, how does that work? How does that math work? Exactly. I don't get that. And they're like, well, you know, I just did it, and I'm like. Here's the, and he's like, well, it just hasn't been tried. It's always the same uh, thing, right? It, well, it just hasn't found the right right place to be successful. I'm like, listen, because I always go to Venezuela as my default excuse. If you can't make socialism work, listen. Okay, Russia's a frozen shithole. Oh, I get God, it. Yeah. Not a lot of things there are going to work. Okay, sobriety won't work there. Mm-hmm. Um, heat. The sun, all of those things just can't quite take a hold in Russia. Okay, I get it. Maybe socialism, that wasn't the place for it. Um, you know, what would Vietnam? Well, it's a really intense jungle and all this, and not a lot of natural resources and all that. Maybe it just couldn't quite work out. Okay, fine. North Korea, yep. All, it's really cold in the winter, really extreme season, all this, bad terrain, all that. Okay, yeah, maybe it can't work there. Venezuela has every conceivable advantage that God could bestow upon a nation. That's exactly right. You've got incredibly fertile land Mm -hmm. where you can grow all the food that you could possibly want to feed fucking everybody. You've got uh, beautiful people. Uh, They just are. It's a fact. We have won more Miss Universe contests. That's true. That's true. Um, And to kick it all off, you stick a fucking straw in the ground mm-hmm. and oil pumps out. That's right. All the oil you could want. You have every possible advantage that any geographic piece of land could have. If you can't make socialism work there, you simply can't make it work anywhere else on the planet. It just can't be done. There are socialist elements that can work. We have them in our government, that we've got them in Europe, and, and they can work to a limited scale. Yep. And that's fine, and you can have those arguments about where it's too far and where it's not enough and the social safety net and all those things. But pure socialism, if it can't work in Venezuela, it can't work anywhere. That's the bottom line. And for the people on the other side that want to talk about like a pure, unrestrained capitalism, all I have to say to you on that argument is Somalia. <laughs> Okay, those Mic are my drop. two arguments to any extreme. <laughs> <laughs> what we need is pure, un- unrestrained, laissez-faire capitalism. Cool. Go to Somalia. Let me know how that's working out for you. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I agree that um, you know it just it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And it just doesn't what work. what you'll get the argument that you'll get Wells. Well, democracy didn't really work either, and I don't think that. That Venezuela is a a good example of saying why democracy didn't work. I think that it's the the one could argue it worked too well. They elected exactly who they wanted. Uh, and now they no, got it. that's exactly right. That's exactly right. They got exactly who they wanted. You know, Chavez provided them all free everything, and they're like, "Yay, free, free, free!" And yeah, that's not exactly how it works. So anyway. now that we've i'm well on my way to getting my show blacklisted in Venezuela. absolutely Um, absolutely no question one of my favorite things is is the fact i'm banned in china uh (laughs) so you know we love that we love that energy okay we'll get banned in venezuela too right right and i feel like we've got a we got a good start on it so um interesting so and you've been in the industry for a while four decades um four 
Really? Yeah, I started I off in were... 79, dude. Do the math. I don't think you're old enough to be. Well, I can't. Uh, you've never seen me do mental math. It's not even, you know how, <laughs> do you have any idea how I graduated college algebra? Uh, no, how? What'd you do? Did you, who'd you cheat a, off of? On a plea bargain. <laughs> I promise to stop going back to school if they promise to let me the fuck out. That's that's how that worked. I can't, my math skills are abominable. Oh my gosh. Um, I, I can speak to some level of basic arithmetic, um, but I certainly can't do mental math of any kind. And listen, you want to know an arcane fact about history? I got you covered. You want me to, like, explain what the fuck a square root is? I'm not sure that I... I never knew the answer to that. <laughs> um, That's okay. So, That's yeah, okay. We, you're, not, you're not doing a, a, sh- a finance show, so you're good. Thank God. Um, interesting. So you've been in for a bit. So what is the... In your opinion, mm-hmm. globally, mm-hmm. what has been the most interesting thing that has impacted your career oh boy. in geopolitics? Impacted my career in geopolitics. I'm, now, I know you've been in Brazil yeah, during some of the time. I've worked, yeah, I don't know. That, yeah. I don't think you were involved in the Operation they, Car Wash scandal. No, that was way after. Um, so that's actually, uh, that was an impactful, an impactful event that occurred for me was the opening of the borders in Brazil in the 1998-99 timeframe when the government decided to open up the borders for international competition into the country, which rendered Petrobras, which the National Oil Company having a monopoly, to all of a sudden not right? You know, from one day to the next, they're a monopoly. And, you know, next day they're not. And they brought in a brand new president from a gentleman from France. His name was André Felipe Reichstuhl, whose whose parents were Brazilian, but he was not born in Brazil. And he came from the the world of finance. And I'm not exactly sure what he did, but they... The government was like, you know, our, our industry isn't producing enough money for us and we need to open up the borders. And at the same time, we need to bring in somebody who's really financially savvy to run Petrobras. So they actually wound up having to change the Constitution to allow this man to be the president of Petrobras because it's a nationally run oil company. And I was honored and blessed to run the team of consultants that went down to help them develop an international strategy because, you know, he wasn't an idiot. He came in and he said, all right, guys, you're giving me the, handing me the reins of this company. One day it's a monopoly. The next day it's not. And you're telling me that I've got to grow and prosper. Well, you know, two plus two does not equal four here. It's just, it's right. right? So he said, the only, the only chance that we have is if we're going to to grow and prosper is if we have to go internationally now that we've got to compete domestically. And so I was honored and blessed to have bring down the crack team that advised them through their international strategy. And I think that for me was a pivotal moment in my career and my love for this industry, my dramatic love for this industry and seeing the power mm-hmm. that knowledge 
and capability and understanding has because the Brazilians were the experts in the world and they didn't even know it in mm -hmm. deep water drilling and production. And that's how that was, okay, that became their that. international strat. They didn't even know it, but also in being able to walk into a company like that and see how being isolated from the rest of the world, the global nature of the industry in that moment in time and having to stand up and teach that executive team what living in the global world of oil was going to mean for them really solidified it in my mind, really came to the, brought it to the forefront that you really have to be astute in geopolitics mm. in, because the, the oil industry is the most powerful industry on the planet. And we know that so wars have been fought mm -hmm. over oil, right? I mean, every single... Sure seems like. Sure, sure seems like it. <laughs> um, and, and just, I mean, anybody, I, I recommend to anybody that knows me, I, especially if you come to work for me, I force people to read The Prize by Daniel Jurgen uh, to, to really bring home the power of the global oil industry but it was that particular moment that it all really solidified in my mind because my team and i had to go and teach this and once you have to stand up and teach something to others it mm -hmm. it just solidifies it just comes it, yeah. it becomes crystal clear and then that also helped me embark on my then continued journey as a retired oil industry person in my world of consulting to educate others on our industry and how we think, how we behave, how we act, how we make business decisions, and why what we do is different than what you might learn in business school uh, and, and why it's a lot of the decisions that we make have, have powerful global implications. That was brilliant. Sorry. That was nicely. No, that was. See, <laughs> so you, you were losing control of the government, and at the last minute you managed to pull it out of the fire. A lesson that Venezuela could properly <laughs> take from you now. In fact, I'm surprised we're not down there right now doing a counter-revolution. I think we could do this. Nah. Listen, with you as president of Venezuela, me as the very minimally responsible vice president who spends most of the day just minding the federal liquor cabinet, <laughs> I think we can handle this. It's a beautiful country. Venezuela I, is an I absolute beautiful country. Uh, I've never been to I've been very close. I've been to Trinidad and Tobago, which oh. is right next. It's like you throw a rock over the little spit of water between. Yes, it, I know. My daddy and my grandma were born there. Oh, okay. Oh, you're like all up in there. Yeah, I spent some time down there when I was growing up. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I don't eat a lot of curried uh, <laughs> beef anymore, because I had too much of that growing up, and they made it the original way, which was strong oh okay i did not know yeah, that they, they were not yeah yeah they love their them some curry oh. and uh, i just I'm like dude yeah no 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 i don't do that huh. um interesting so uh least favorite president in eh, your lifetime or whatever i would say that in my lifetime uh, yeah, I think, I think Jimmy Carter, mm. uh, he just was, was really plagued. Um, yeah, that was, 
that was just no bueno. <laughs> and and I'm just poor guy. I mean, he was not he, the right yeah, guy. He was he was not uh, the right guy. It's too bad because he was such a nice. He was guy. such a he was such a nice guy. Uh, yeah. So yeah. no bueno. But I would like to answer a little bit of a different question. My Please. least favorite, almost president. Oh, okay. All right, this will be good. Hillary Rodham Clinton. Well, sure. That's a gimme. I mean, I just absolutely, my I, my stomach turns at the thought of that. So, that you know, thing. those of you listening, you weren't actually there an hour ago when we were recording Delphina's show, but we were there. <laughs> yeah. And if you listen to her show on the episode that I'm on, you'll hear this because I told part of the story on your show. So just, I think it was last night I was at the bar having drinks some friends and there was a, a friend of mine up there. I used to have a friend, just a guy outside having a smoke that we got into it because you can't trust me not to get into a political conversation with somebody. <laughs> and, pff, the drop of a dime. Right. <laughs> so we're out there having a drink and this guy's going on a rant about how fucking terrible Joe Biden is the worst thing that's ever happened to this country. And it all blah, blah, blah. No. Now, of course, because I'm a contrarian who might agree that I don't much care for Joe Biden as president, but I couldn't just not drop some knowledge on this guy for no reason other than to stir some shit up. You know, I got to make that stew. I got to stir that <laughs> stew up. It's going to be a good stew. It's going to double, stick to your, double stick to your toil ribs. and trouble. That's Fire right. Fire burning cauldron bubble. That's right. Oh, yeah. Give me that, that Shakespeare, that Macbeth. And, yes. I like that. I know that. So, um, this guy's going on about how nightmarish Joe Biden is. And, of course, I had to argue with him. And I said, well, it's not the worst thing that could happen. Oh, yes, he's the worst president we've ever had. Worst thing could possibly happen. And I said, really? You're telling me. You're going to look me square in the eyes right here in front of God and the patrons of this bar and tell me Joe Biden is the worst possible president that we could have had. 100%, bruh. And I said, cool. So you would have rather Hillary Clinton oh. win the election last go-around? And he stopped mid-fucking finger point at me. <laughs> And it's like, please, tell tell me how you would rather Hillary Clinton have won the election. Tell me that story, mm -hmm. since Joe Biden is so fucking terrible. Yep. And he just kind of stopped. He's like, well, no, she's worse. I was like, okay. okay. So Joe Biden's not the worst thing that ever. Yeah, well, all right, I guess not. And I was like, oh, man, weird, weird, weird. Well, yeah, but he's, he's the second worst. It's like, oh, you'd rather Bernie Sanders. Oh, my God, please. And he just kind of looked at me, and I'm like, dude, I could do this. <laughs> All I got 20 more names. I got 20 more names in the bag. <sighs> AOC, you'd rather AOC be president? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> Joe Biden, so far down the list of worst-case scenarios <sighs> for a Democrat, sit here and look me in the eyes and tell me he's... Fuck you, sir. Try again. I had all day, baby. I got this. I'm going to reach into the bag and find another nightmare Democrat for you. Okay. And by the time he's done, he's like, I really never thought about it like that. I'm like, yeah, that's the problem. You never thought about it like that. Is he great? No. Is he the worst thing that happened? Absolutely not. <laughs> okay, so I got to share this. I got, oh my God, I'm reaching back. Um, I can't even remember how many years ago, 30 years ago, whatever. My My Bernie Sanders... A little bit of, of history story, personal history story. Bernie was running for something. I lived in Vermont. Um, okay. I had a, a beautiful house on a lake in Vermont. Vermont, New York, Venezuela. Where the, what the hey, dude. We, 
Tell me about your time living in Russia. What was yeah, it like no. when you were, you know, hiking across the Andes? Yeah, no. I mean, what no, do you got no, here? No, no, But I was, uh, I was living in Vermont, beautiful house on a, on a lake up there. And Bernie, I had a buddy of mine, um, and he and I absolutely hated Bernie. We would go around at night in our cars and drive up on people's lawns and mow down Bernie Sanders signs. <laughs> And then one time, one time, there was this other guy that used to work with us. I can't remember. His name was Mark something. I can't remember his last name, I, which I wouldn't want to talk, say it on the show anyway. He was, sure. he was, he was just a douche. He was just, you know, right? Just, mm. he was just a douche. And yeah. he was always strutting around with, you know, his fancy clothes and his, you know, manicured fingernails and acting like he was better than everybody else. He was just a douche. And he was also a staunch Republican, just like we were. So one time, <laughs> Tim and I went and got, and, and my ex-husband, we went and got a whole bunch of Bernie signs, snuck up to his house, and just plastered his front lawn with Bernie signs. He woke up to that the next day, and he, he didn't think it was funny. Did he not? He didn't think it was oh, funny. Man, we thought it was hilarious. But anyway. So, pro tip. I actually, I don't know if this is still the case or not. There was a time you could actually, for the Communist Party of the United States, all you had to do was give an address and a name and make a donation to get someone a membership. Oh, okay. And I always thought a great joke <laughs> oh man you you can imagine what i yes. might be tempted to do with that yes and um <laughs> but what adds a little extra something to it is there was a point in time in texas at least when i was in school because i went to school for pre-law where it's actually illegal in texas or at least it used to be i don't know if it's still the case or not where it's actually illegal in the texas penal code to hold a political office if you were a member of the Communist Party. And oh. what I had realized was that it took virtually nothing to make somebody a member of the Texas Communist Party. Oh. Other than making a $5 donation and putting their name and address somewhere. And I thought, you know. I see where you're going. I feel like I could cause some real fucking chaos. Yeah. Yeah. This is the true Operation Chaos here. Like, yeah. who do I not like to... Jody Arrington, congratulations, <laughs> you can no longer hold office because you're a card-carrying communist. You're welcome. You know, like, just really go to town. And I hear the, um, the music in the background. Dum, da, da, da. Dum, da, da, da. I'm just like, man, they should make this a lot harder because I am way too irresponsible to be allowed to just sign somebody up for this. Oh and that should also God. just not be a law. And Oh, my gosh, dude. Ooh, I'm going to have some fun with this. So I don't know. Um, I, legally, I don't know if I should say this, but you shouldn't obviously do that to someone. No, you shouldn't. Uh, so take that piece of advice. Um, and now, officially, I'm untouchable. So... <laughs> So what's funny is you've got the whole, um, like, like speaking about Bernie Sanders for a second, because I'll, I'll argue the other side of that now, right? Because I'm just a, a douchebag contrarian. I would argue if you wanted, if you are a Republican, which I don't claim to be, I'm a small L, crazy, insane libertarian person. Um, but if you were a Republican, staunchly diehard, and you know a Democrat is um, going to be running against you. The one you want is Bernie Sanders. That's oh, who you gosh, really yeah. want to win. 
Absolutely. That's the okay. I know why I think that's the answer. Why do you think that's the answer? Well, because I, this is this is mean. This is just mean. It's okay. it's it's just not nice. But he's just a cartoon character. Okay. I mean, he. he I thought it was going to be way meaner than that. Was, okay, I, so he's a cartoon he's character. A, okay, know, so he's Mr. Magoo, he's like, whatever. And not even, you know, I, yeah, kind of the hair sticking out and whatever. No, it's just <laughs> Bernie's his his incredibly far left socialist. I mean, he's a self proclaimed socialist. Democratic socialist. He's yeah, a, it's a, he's a socialist, it's a and. It, it doesn't work. It doesn't, this country, I mean, yes, we have people, we have our liberals in this country, but mm-hmm. they're not, they don't, they're not over the line into pure socialism. Right. And yeah. I don't see even the liberals choosing Bernie as mm-hmm. their, their leader, as their choice. Right? Socialism just doesn't work. So I like to think of myself, we've established. So here's my answer. Okay. Um, And it's, uh, now generally I try to think of myself as skeptical, not cynical, but this answer is incredibly cynical. Okay. Okay. The reason you want Bernie to win, I think, if you're super Republican, here's the deal. Yes, he's a socialist. Yes, he wants all these crazy things. Guess what? The Democrats hate him as much as the Republicans do. But that's my point. Yes, you want him to win because there's no way in fuck he's going to get anything done that he wants to get done. His shit's so crazy, even the Democrats are going to go, okay, Bernie, just just sit in your office and twiddle your thumbs. We're not doing any of that nonsense. Oh, I misunderstood the question. I misunderstood the question. You absolutely, if you're a Republican, you absolutely want want to be against, you want Bernie to run against you. I misunderstood the question. Yeah, because even if he wins, yeah, he, he can't, can't win. do any of the crazy stuff. Exactly. He's even if he wins yeah. with the Democrats, he's not going to win on the national front. Even even if he does win on the national front, though, they won't oh, go yeah. along with him. Yeah, yeah, he's a, like he's that's a the safest possible bet. Hillary Clinton is scary on the other hand because she knows how to get shit done. Yeah, she knows where the skeletons are buried. She knows how the machine works. She knows all the levers to pull. Yeah. She's a she's a political force 30 years in. Yep. She's scary because she can make things happen that Bernie Sanders could that's never exactly make happen. That's exactly right. You're exactly right. And that's that's where it gets in my perspective. It, like if you were to say, "Oh gosh, what do we do?" Yeah, get Bernie in there, man. It's fine. Yeah. She's never got to do anything crazy. Hillary, there's no telling what she could pull off. She's Yeah. She's a political machine. She really she's is. been in there for 30 years. And she's done stuff mm-hmm. over those 30 years. Um, yes. So yeah, that's my. There's your hot tip of the day. I like Bernie. Bernie for the Didn't Democratic nomination. Yes. Didn't think we get there, but somehow we logic our way into it. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. On that bombshell, this completely unexpected, unplanned episode that you and I may just have. You got anything else you want to throw out there before you wrap this thing up? <laughs> <laughs> How can we top that? We just think, did a pitch for Bernie we Sanders. We just did a pitch for Bernie Sanders. Sign me up for his election and we campaign. Made it, and we made it make sense. Yes. Is the frightening thing. Oh, we are we're 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 terrible. We're we're dangerous. 
We are dangerous. We are, yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Listen, when it's the when it's you and me running for president, we're going to be unstoppable, okay? Well, I want to be the I want to be the VP. You can be the president. I want to be the VP. No, no, I can't be trusted with that much power. Are you kidding? Oh, all right. What would my you know what my platform as president would be? What would that be? Not good. I mean, so if I were running for president, and this is why I'm never going to elected, my platform is if we go to war anywhere, it'll be Tahiti. <laughs> okay. Because we're going to send the soldiers someplace nice. Yes, they deserve a break. Absolutely. And I think beaches and tropical drinks, they've earned they it. They have earned it. Um, so we do that. Uh, I'm for sure having sex with somebody in the Oval Office. Okay. Okay. It's just going to happen. That is hopefully is far better looking than the previous young lady. Lewinsky, yeah. That's that's certainly I feel like as president I could pull that. Yeah, I mean really. Um, what yeah. I feel you know, I get it Clint was in a hurry whatever. Whatever. Uh but I feel like um I'm doing something in the Oval Office of an illicit nature. Uh Okay. Okay. You know, that's just going to be part of it and um and clearly that shouldn't be I shouldn't be president because these are not things that should be priorities to me. And yet, that's exactly what you get if you put me in office. Um, well, maybe. So yeah, you can never get elect. You're never going to elect me. It, it could. It could be. That's also could be a very good strategy, is to keep you, you know, in the Oval Office doing your own personal nonsense, keep you out of the public eye, and then that's, let your cabinet yeah. let you know other people actually run the government. Yeah, let the experts let do their exactly. thing. Just trot me out like I'm, I'm going to, you know, if I'm the president, we're going to turn that into a ceremony. It's going to be a figurehead like I'm the king of England. You yeah. just bring me out to like do my little hand uh, wave, yes, yeah. tally, tally ho, and, you know, maybe knight the occasional person and then put me away and just bring me out for special occasions like the Macy's Day Parade or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they could they could even make a balloon of you, right? And you yeah, could hold your fine. own yeah, balloon. Yeah, I just go out there and do my little thing, wave a flag. Okay. Right. Yeah, okay. I would. By the time I was done, I would make the presidency completely powerless. Uh, Isn't I would it already? Just turn it to a ceremonial role. Isn't it already? Uh, it could be a little less. Mm. It could be a little All less. Right. All right. My last, my first, only executive order would be to outlaw executive orders. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness! They would never let me. They would never let me in there. Um, <laughs> Anyway, well, this has been a delight. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me on your show. Um, if you have not checked it out, you should absolutely check out Dufina's show, uh, which is ESG Energized. For now. Although I'm telling you that, for now, um, that show, not unlike this one, are going to get renamed. Yes. We have been uh, working on this behind the scenes. I mean, I say behind the scenes. I've been talking about it for a, a year? Since episode yeah. one, basically. Um, no. But... Yeah. We're there, and we're making it happen. Well, and um, Jordan, it's been a pleasure to join you on your show. I I listen to you all the time, and I cannot I just, believe oh, that you dude, seem too a, smart. It's to a listen great to my show, show, man. It's a great show. I love it. Well, I appreciate. I love that. it. Thank you. So you're one of the loyal fifteen. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully, if I can get your fifteen listening to to my show, then I'm, I'm up to thirty. That we're gonna do the the Driscoll bump. We're gonna give you okay. a show the Driscoll bump. We'll do it. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, everybody, uh, thank you for joining us today. This is Jordan Driscoll reminding you it could always be worse. Actually, you know what the <laughs> real ending ought to be? This is Jordan Driscoll reminding you to vote for Bernie. <laughs> Amen. We'll see you guys on the next one. <laughs> Join us again next week on the Oil & Gas Geopolitics Podcast. 
a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com.